Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. spoke about I spoke about Daniel and the Hebrew boys in Babylon and what awed me was the age of the young men when the capture occurred 14 to 17 years of age can you imagine being 800 miles from home at that age what blessed me was the stance they took for God in a foreign land and what inspired me was the mind, the M-I-N-D, the mind that these young Jewish men had that stood up to kings of the world that they were placed before. I read something, now I don't know if it's legend, urban legend, I, I really don't know, but I read something many years ago about Judge Roy Bean who had the law, what they call the law west of the Pecos. And Judge Roy Bean was the judge, jury, and executioner. He was, uh, he was known as the hanging judge and he tried some Pretty, pretty strong cases, but one of the things that I read about him, and, and whether this is true or not, uh, it may be urban legend, maybe more legend than truth, but I think it's so neat. Roy Bean had a particular cell that he had created for the most hardened criminal, the hardest man, the one that wanted to escape the most. And when that person was captured and he was placed in this place, he said, this is impregnable, you never will get out of this cell, so don't even try. Tell your men there's no sense in them even trying to come and get you out. And legend has it, or truth has it, one of the two, it's, it's a mixture between that that cell was made out of cardboard. It was a cardboard cell, and it was plastered on both sides, but the thing that kept it up was cardboard, a cardboard, cardboard boxes put that thing together, and they plastered around it, and those men thought they were in the in most impregnable place in the whole world. They could never get out of it. And you could have probably walked up and really hit it real hard and probably moved it. But they were so afraid that if they tried, that uh, judgment would come to them. And so they never tried. It's amazing how the enemy can, with urban legend or with truth or whatever, with falsity, whatever he does. It's amazing how much he can keep us encapsulated. And captured by things of not allowing us to become the person that we want to be. So I want to explore something tonight that I call possibility thinking and possibility living. Everybody say possibility thinking and possibility living. Do you believe that God wants to give you possibilities? Do you believe possibility is a word in your life? Do you really believe that? Jesus, Messiah said, if you have faith... As the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to your mountain, move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing. Everybody say nothing will be impossible to me. So let's talk about it. I want to confess something to this congregation before I begin tonight. First of all, I've always been a person of faith. I've always believed in God. I believed that that God was my God. I've trusted that God. But secondly, I have always believed that God could. But sometimes I did not know whether he would. And I think the would sometimes was stronger in my life than the could was. And I'm not trying to be funny with words. Thirdly, I have in times past allowed the lid. Everybody say the lid. The lid. Of my raisins. Of how I was raised. Of my family of the church views and the friendships that I have acquired in life to hold me captive of God's best for me in my earlier life. And I don't, I don't want to be like the frog that jumps against the lid on the jar. And then when the lid is removed, he can't jump out of the jar because he's bumped his head so many times. I want to be a man that trusts God from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. I want to believe that God can do and will do anything that we need him to do for us because he is a God of unlimited potential. He's a God of, of, of might and strength. There is nothing, everybody say nothing, that he cannot do. Amen? Amen. So 
If Jesus said I could move mountains, then I want to start shoveling dirt tonight. I want to move some gravel. I want God to know that I believe in the system that he has placed in me because I am made in the image of the invisible God. And God is a creator and I have creative potential in me. And God used the word and I have the word in me. One thought that has been searing my brain and my soul and has made me stay awake some nights is how much possibility does God have for all of us? How much possibility? I think it's limitless. I believe our possibilities are limitless. Can I get a witness tonight? I think there is no limit to what God wants to do. There is no limit to what God can do. And there's no limit to what God will do for us. Amen? When a person begins to believe, it just might be possible. Somehow, someway, somewhere, someday, then at that moment of possibility thinking, three miracles occur, and I've got it on your, on your notes. Number one, opportunity spotting brain cells activate. This is a fact. This is a scientific fact. When you see that possibility can happen, opportunity spotting brain cells activate. Number two, problem-solving brain cells come to life. And number three, determination, energizing chemicals are released into the bloodstream. Isn't it amazing that when my mind and when my heart picks up that there's a possible situation that can come to fruition in my life, opportunity-spotting brain cells activate, problem-solving brain cells come to life, and determination-energizing chemicals are released into my blood. Is that awesome or what? Did God make us right or what? Because God wants us to know that there is nothing, <laughs> there is no mountain big enough, there is no river wide enough, there is no valley low enough that can keep us from seeing what God wants to do in our lives in 2014. Clap your hands and say amen. So I offer you a ladder tonight. I offer you a ladder. Bring me my ladder here, Brother Ted. Bring my ladder here. I offer you a ladder tonight. Amen. An eight-foot ladder. A new beginning ladder, eight feet tall. Amen. Open it up for me, Brother Ted. Pull it over here just a little bit, buddy. Amen. I offer you a ladder because I want to read my notes while I'm up in the air. All right. All right. Here's what you got to do. You don't lean on it and talk and chew tobacco and spit. You take the first step. You put your hand on the rung. You put your foot on the bottom step. That's good. And you're starting to rise. And as you rise, as you go higher, and as you go higher, you start seeing further than you ever thought possible that you could see. And you start seeing things that you never dreamed that you could see from down there. Because the higher you get, the greater you're going to see the vastness and the beauty of God. Do you know you can take a penny and put it against your eye and block out the sun? Or you can hold that penny away from your eye and see the wonderful creation of God. The littlest thing can stop you from seeing what God has for you. Do you know that the reason we don't see a whole rainbow most of the time is because we're not high enough? Every rainbow is a complete circle. God don't make half rainbows. God makes whole rainbows. He don't make half blessings. He makes whole blessings. He don't make half benefits. He makes whole benefits. And I'm here to declare to you tonight, it's time to start climbing and going a little higher in your walk with God and saying, I'm going to go higher than I've ever gone in all my life to view and see what God has for me in 2014. Come move it, Brother Ted. Don't take it away from me. Just move it for me. Come move it, Brother Ted. So, you got to start today or you'll be like the man who prayed, Oh, God, spare me from the hell of seeing the great opportunities I missed because I lack the faith to believe and to begin. Now, your God-made conscious mind is like a dike holding back an ocean of unimaginable, undiscovered, undeveloped possibilities. All I ask you to do this year, 2014, is to put one tiny hole in that dike and allow the water 
from the other side to start coming down on you. And watch what God will do. There's an old saying that is so true. Insanity is a person constantly doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So why don't we step outside of doing the same thing? Why don't we step outside of believing the same thing? Why do we still have to say that I'm going to stay the way I am till the day I die? I refute that. I come against that. I rebuke that in the name of the Lord because God does not want us to stay where we are. He wants us to escalate and go higher and believe greater and do more and have exploits in our life because God wants us to understand He is for us. I love this verse, John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was the Logos. Or the thought of God. What He thought, He created with His Word. And that Logos word, verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh. So that word became flesh. Watch this now. So what God thought, he became. I said what God thought, he became. God became what he thought. That's the point I want to continually drive home tonight to this wonderful crowd. What you think, your logos, what you believe, your logos is what you will flesh out. If you think I can't, you won't. If you think I can, you will. If you think that God is able to take me to another level, you will. Because what you dream and what you believe and what you understand in your mind is what you flesh out in your life. Let me believe you can lose weight this year. Chickens. You bluebell fanatics. He fleshed out his thoughts. Wow. And when he fleshed out his thoughts, what he thought he became. God have mercy. And what I think It's what God wants me to become. So how do you start to become that person you want to be? First, you got to analyze the negative forces that have been holding you back. You've got to find the reason for your inertia. You really do. You must place the blame where it properly belongs before you can correct the situation. Let's play a little game tonight, okay? It's called, let's pick out the villain. Let's find the villain in our life. Many of you have been taught... Or you're naturally inclined to place blame on any one class or group of people who have a different creed or of a different color than you. And you're making a big mistake. Because there are too many people, other people, in the same position who are succeeding in spite of proud or prejudiced opposition. So you need to try again. You can't run that route no more. So the second thing, it's our capitalistic system. Wrong again. That's not the villain. It's really not. This system allows you the freedom to choose to try to become anything your heart desires. It still works. I've seen people who didn't have a dime, who couldn't pay their rent. We heard a man Monday night talking to our businessmen and men that want to get into business. He said, I couldn't pay rent. He said, I went and found a job, went door to door trying to find a job. And he said, I knocked on the door and a man finally told me, I can... I can get you to, get to giving away yellow pages. He said, how much does it pay? He said, 10 cents a door. He said, we had one car, and I sprinted all day long passing out books, 10 cents a door, because I wanted to eat that night. I wanted something to have for my family. He said, I rented a house, and I couldn't pay the rent. So I told the man, after three months, I can't pay this rent. I can't do it. But he said, if you'll stay with me, I promise you, before it's over, I'll pay the rent. And he said, nine months after I got in the house, I paid all nine months of that rent. Because God began to turn it around. Here's what I want to tell you. You don't, have to, you don't have to blame capitalistic mentality. God can give you an answer right here in your life. If you have the strength to get up and believe that you can, you can. So my breeding is inadequate. 
That's the next thing. That's the next villain. The blame is on the breeding. That's ridiculous. You still have a brain with trillions of cells. It doesn't matter what your mom and dad were. It doesn't matter how successful they were, what kind of education they got, what kind of job they have. It does not matter. It is an instrument of such incalculable capabilities, this brain is, that one engineer has estimated it would take a building several acres in size to house the computers that would match the dullest human brain in this house tonight. And Dr. Emoto says that we use only 3% of our brain. 97% doesn't even work for us. Can I get you to think in 4% tonight? I'm not asking for a lot. Can I get you to say 4% tonight? If I've been worshiping the Lord 3%, can I raise it to 4% tonight? Come on, let's get our hearts in this thing. Let's believe that this is our year to absolutely become the person that we want to be. And I'm going to push you and I'm going to lead you. I'm going to direct you. And I'm going to be the better person than I've ever wanted to be in my life and dreamed I could be. God is going to let this church rise to a new level of opportunity, to a new level of creativity, and to a new level of possibility thinking. Say amen to that. This is not PMA. This is the word of God. Even though... You would have the world's smartest man made computer. It would still lack the self-input generating power that every human being possesses. Everybody say, it takes unction. Mama said it took gumption. She said, if you're going to mount anything in life, you're going to have to have some gumption in your life. I have no clue what that word means. But it sounds like some get up and go power. Amen. You know why a lot of people don't come to church? They're lazy. They love God. They're just lazy. You know, a lot of people don't succeed in life. They're lazy. Can I be truthful with you? You got to get up and go. Your brain is saying, let's do it. Come on, we can make this happen. And your body is saying, well, I'll be there after a while. Come on. It's the establishment, preacher. It's the establishment. That's the villain in my life, Fooey. That negative thought would never stand up in a court of reality. There's a lots of disadvantaged people who are making great strides today in our establishment that turn that argument into an excuse. Remember, you will never successfully solve the problem until you correctly place the blame. Everybody say, Lord, I want to know who's to blame. <laughs> the man that you dress every day. The woman that looks in that mirror and gets pretty every morning. Ask yourself, if others in worse conditions than I am are making it, why can't I? The truly oppressed person is the impossibility thinker. See, impossibility thinking thinks like this. It's a person who, when he sees something wrong with an idea, when he sees something wrong with a plan or an organization or an institution or a tradition or a person, born or unborn, votes to abandon Votes to abolish or votes to abort that plan. That's what an impossibility thinker is. And a possibility thinker is liberated from perfectionism. He knows that there is something wrong with every idea. He knows that every plan is not just right. He knows that organization, institution, tradition, sometimes, and even people are not just right. Yet he asks, in all the things that are not right, what is good about this? What's good about this? I had an old pastor many years ago that told me, if you see 95% good in somebody, there's 5% bad. If you see 95% bad in somebody, there's 5% good. Now, I don't know where your 5 or 95 comes in, but I want to tell you something. Everybody's got good in them. You know why? Because we're God's creation. And everybody's got some hiccups in us. You know why? Because we're walking in a world of sin. And we were born a sin nature. But here's what I want to tell you. God wants to get us started tonight believing that there is nothing, there is nothing impossible for us to accomplish in our life. If we can just dream it, we can achieve it in the name of the Lord. And if you want to become a better Christian, if you want to become a better dad, if you want to become a better mom, why don't you just set your mind to it and get your body following and let's go forward and become a greater person than we've ever been before now. Amen. All right. Is there anything positive value in this? 
a positive, a possibility thinker said, is there anything positive in this? If so, he then begins to divide and conquer. He believes there must be a way to separate, to insulate, to eliminate, and to the, all the negative aspects of the situation. He takes them all out. He believes if he persists in exhausting all possibilities, he will discover or invent a way to isolate, activate, cultivate, and harvest the positive values. You know what Thomas, you know what Thomas Edison said? He said, when he failed on his 990th light bulb, he said, well, I know 990 ways it won't work. Isn't that amazing? And his next one worked. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you're a possibility person, you won't take no for an answer. When you're a person that says God is able and God wants me to achieve, you will not take no for an answer. He believes, he believes that if he just exhausts all possibilities, he'll discover or invent a way to activate the harvest and, and produce positive values. I want to call this sanctified exploitation. I want to call it sanctified exploitation because a possibility thinker never votes no to any idea that holds some possibility for good. Everybody say, I never vote no. Never vote no. Here's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get the no's out of us and get some yeses in us because this church needs a big old hallelujah yes in 2014. We need a yes in our spirit. We need a yes in our prayer life. We need a yes in our church attendance. We need a yes in everything that happens. It's time to get the no's out and get the yeses in. Amen? It's time to move this church to another level. And I believe with all my heart that God is putting it in our hearts and our minds to achieve that in 2014. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. Yet before a man, a possibility thinker, votes yes to a problem plagued by possibilities, he may move to amend and modify and qualify or delay, but never will he cast an unqualified no vote to any suggestion that has within it the seed of some possible positive good. Just because it's impossible, it's no reason to vote no to a potentially great idea. The possibility thinker casts an unreserved negative vote only when the issue violates his moral, his religious, or his ethical value system. But if it don't, if it don't cross the moral, religious, or your ethical system, you need to say yes to the things that God has for you in this life. Amen? Everybody say yes. yes. Don't that feel good? Say yes. yes. Say yes. yes. What's the Spanish version of no? What's the Spanish version of yes? Yeah, you can say it in any language. Amen? Everybody say hallelujah. That's a universal word. Say hallelujah, yes. Hallelujah. Say worship, yes. Worship, yes. Church attendance, yes. Worship, yes. Better mindset, yes. yes. I'm a possibility thinker, yes. yes. Everything is possible with God, yes. yes. I can do all things through Christ, yes. yes. As long as it doesn't cross your morals, your religious ideology, or your ethical theology, you need to say yes to the things of God. Everybody say yes. yes. I'm not far from finishing tonight. Never surrender your will to negative thoughts. Never. See, there was a profane place area of the tabernacle, folks, when it was in the wilderness. The profane place in the tabernacle was the place where they put dead things. It's where they put the scrapings of a leprous house. If a house was leprous, they would bring the scrapings of that leprous house and place them in the profane area. It was called the profane area. Esau had a profane mind. Esau had a profane mind. What that means is the profane area in the, in the house, around the house of God was a section that the priest could not go into. They could not walk through because it would, it would defy them and defile them. But Esau had a profane mind. What did that mean? The profane area around the house of God was unguarded. It did not have a fence on it. There was no fence. It wasn't like a graveyard that has a fence around it. And so you had to make a decision not to go in there. You understand that? You had to make a decision not to go into the profane area. I make this choice that I'm not going to be caught in a profane area that will devour and destroy my hope in God. I'm not going to walk in this area. I refuse to go in that area. I'm not going there. And so when Esau had a profane mind, in other words, he had an unguarded mind. He let everything weird and wacky come into his world, into his mind. And that's what I'm trying to get out of your heart and your mind. You can't let every wacky rabbit get into your mind. 
You can't let everything profane come into your mind. You can't let every negative thought and concept come into your mind. You've got to skirt around some things. You've got to make a choice. I'm not going in there. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to be a negative person. I'm not going to be a person that costs negative votes in the church. I'm going to be a yes God. I'm going to be a yes man. I'm going to be a yes Lord in my life. I refuse to become a profane person. Are you with me? I'm not going to do it. I won't do the profane thing. So God is not going to fence out the negative in your life. He's not going to say, okay, you can't think that. He's not going to do that. It's your choice. It's your choice. You know, I know, I know people say, well, I wonder what the Johnsons talk about at their house. I'm going to tell you what we talk about. We talk about y'all. <laughs> what do you talk about? Us. I know. But here's the catch. When I talk about you, I brag on you. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not going to preach to a church the things that I preach and negate everything that I preach by negating it by talking against what I'm trying to build up. Because the word is just as strong in my house on a Monday as it is in this house on a Sunday. Are you with me? So when I, when I walk away from you, don't you worry about me worrying about your ducktails or the way you've got a little, little, little hipology, man. You need to lose them hips. Or, don't worry about that. I'm not going to run you down. It ain't going to happen in my house because I believe with all my heart that every saint of God deserves a yes vote from a pastor. Every child of God in this house deserves a yes vote from the pastor. And, and because you are battling with a yes and no in your life, you need somebody to say yes to you. You need somebody to say, it's all right. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. And I'm believing that when I preach it long enough and say it long enough, somebody's going to get on the side of yes and circle, circumvent the profane area and say, no more will I walk in that area of negativity. I'm not going to walk there anymore. I'm not going to walk there anymore. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And I know, I know when y'all talk about me, you talk about my suit size. It's decreasing right now. I know you talk about what I like to eat. Oh, thank you, honey. Hamburgers, yeah. Brother Jose Bluebell, give me a break. I'm down to one scoop a night. It's working. It really is. It's working. But it's very difficult to receive a positive word when you negate it at your house. And it's very difficult to give a positive word when you negate it out of your mouth when you walk out of the church. So as a pastor, I've committed to you. I've committed to this church a long time ago. I'm not going to down something that I've raised up. I'm not going to put you down when I've raised you up. I'm not going to do that. Jesus Christ didn't do that. He didn't walk away and say, you know, that old boy I just healed, he's a bad dude. <laughs> well, what'd you heal him for? What'd you open his blind eyes for? Oh, I want to show everybody how good I was, but he's a bad dude. Don't hang around him. No, he didn't do that. He said, I want you to understand something. You go back to society. You go back to the people that love you. I've cast devils out of you. Now get on out of here and go serve the people and tell them Jesus loves you and tell them that I'm on your team. When the blind man was healed, he couldn't find anybody to celebrate with him. He came back, Jesus said, I'll celebrate with you because you didn't sin. You didn't have a problem. It wasn't that. It's for the glory of God. Here's what I want to tell you. It's time to put a yes in your life. It's time to put a yes in your life. It's time to put a yes in your life. That's all I'm saying. Put a yes in your life. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So the only person who has the power to cast a deciding vote to kill your dream is you. You have the power to kill your dream. I talked about the tiger cage on Sunday morning, about victory that had a song. But the tiger cage was bamboo sticks in Vietnam. Little jail, little jails averaged about five feet in length and four feet wide. They were too small for tall Americans to stretch out in. They, they moved the prisoners at night. One man who was a Navy flyer, decorated man that escaped, told of living that way for six long years. And one night, listen to this, one night, he told an American audience, he said, I succeeded in working one bamboo stick loose in my tiger cage, just one. 
And when I worked it loose, I was able to step out and become a free man. Because it was all entangled and put together like a puzzle. But when I got one out, it started falling apart. God have mercy. When I got one out, it started falling apart. There's no power on earth that is greater than man's power to dream, man's power to visualize, and man's power to imagine. I think it's so neat to hear the right story, the right brother story. I think it's so neat to hear about men walking on the moon back in 1969. I think it's so neat to understand that the problem that the men had on the Apollo mission, Apollo 13, said, Houston, we have a problem. I think it's so neat that a little woman that I buried in this church, I buried her, I did her funeral right here, typed in the verifying, typed, typed in the, 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 the code number to bring that spaceship back home without a verifier. Somebody, somebody would never dream that they'd be used in such a mighty way. And she was just a key punch operator at NASA. But she typed in the code to bring them back home. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's no telling what God can do in all of our lives. There's no telling what God can do in every one of our lives, folks. You've got to put a yes in your expression. You've got to put a yes in your life. If it's not against your morals, if it's not against your ethics, if it's not against your religious foundations, you've got to start saying yes to God. There's something about saying yes, yes, yes. Lord yes getting up in the morning and having a yes in your spirit going to bed at night having a yes in your spirit it just turns your whole thinking process around it takes the negative out it puts the positive in and makes you a possibility thinker in Jesus name amen amen so what are the tiger cages what are the tiger cages? I believe there's four of them number one one stick we have to eliminate is the elimination of fear of failure you got to get that out of your head you got to get eliminate. You got to eliminate fear of failure in your life. Nothing blocks dynamic creativity more than the fear of failure, because fear of failure is really a fear of embarrassment. You're afraid when you fail, you're going to embarrass yourself. I never forget preaching one time when I was just a young preacher. Somebody came up to me after his over and said, "Boy, I'm so glad you was anointed tonight, because if you wasn't, that'd have been a flop of a sermon." And it made me so mad. That made me so mad. I, I was fired up back in that day. I said, well, at least I got up there and tried. He walked away. He still can't find a text with a search warrant. But here's what I'm trying to say. Fear of failure is a fear that all of us have, a fear of embarrassment. The need for self-esteem is one of the deepest of all human needs. And to expose our self-dignity to the hazard of public ridicule is a risk we instinctively avoid. So we play it safe and we avoid the possibility of disgrace by not even trying. Remember that, it's not, that it is not failure but low aim that is the crime. Failure is not a crime. Not to win is not a sin. <laughs> to try something great and fail can be one of the greatest things that you've ever done in your life. I love people who dare to try. It would be neat to have an award entitled every year, the most glorious failure of the year award. I think that'd be a great award to give. You know why? Because they tried their best to do something off the chart. And because they failed, let's give them an an effort even if you lose. Let's give them an award even if you lose. People who attempt and fail are not failures at all. Failure is not failure to meet a goal. Real failure is failure to reach as high as you possibly can. See that ladder? Just keep climbing. No man will ever truly know that he has succeeded until he experiences an apparent failure. A pole vaulter cannot be certain that he has jumped as high as he possibly can until he knocks the bar down. So what you do, you just keep raising the bar. Keep jumping it and keep raising the bar. And keep jumping it and keep raising the bar. And don't worry about failure. Pick yourself back up. Dust your legs off. Get yourself back going again and say yes again to God. Amen. You've got to eliminate fear of failure in your life. You've got to do that. Amen. The second stick you've got to remove from the tiger cage is learn the tricks of problem solving. You've got to develop a sensible philosophy for solving problems. One man said it best, solve your problems or your problems will dissolve you. That's true. Never surrender the leadership of your life to problems, real or imaginary. Never. Every problem is an opportunity to be creative. Problems stop negative thinkers, but problems start 
possibility thinkers. Say it. Amen. Amen. Problems paralyze impossibility thinkers. Problems mobilize possibility thinkers. Remember, if you're clever enough to imagine a problem, you're clever enough to discover a solution. Understand this. Your imagination conjures up problems as quickly as it creates opportunities. That's good. If you see great problems surrounding your possibilities, that's great. It gives God a chance to perform great miracles in your life. And miracles are happening every day. Let's be bold enough to get our share of the miracles that God has for us. Amen. Amen. Little old Robbie. Little old Robbie came and gave his testimony. Or I gave his testimony for him several months ago. God healed this boy. He was, he was clinically blind. And... Uh, he went to the doctor just this last week, and he tells me every time he has a, an upgrade in his life, he said, Pastor, I went to the doctor. Yeah, he said, I'm getting better. No, he doesn't see the way he's going to see one day. But he's got a yes in his spirit. Hallelujah. He's got a yes in his spirit. And he pulled out a magnifying glass. said, I got me a magnifying glass too, so if I have a little problem, I got this magnifying glass. I don't care how bad it is right now in your family. Why don't you put a yes in your life? Why don't you eliminate the fear factor in your life? Why don't you learn the lesson of problem solving and understanding that with every opportunity is going to be problems, but God's greater than any problem because he's given you a chance at an opportunity. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. You've got to remove the stick of the tyranny of unpleasant memories. Let me talk about it. Old hurts, disappointments, setbacks, rejections, they haunt us. You don't have to surrender your future to negative forces. You really don't. You can have a positive future. Don't let the ghost of your past get in the driver's seat of your life. Don't give your car to him. Let dreams, not regrets, drive your life. And the old Indian said, today's the first day of the rest of your life. Allow yourself to have happy memories. Don't fear that moving ahead will bring bad experiences, but rather fear that if you don't try again, you'll miss your great chance to start having a really happy life. I'm talking to some people that's lost loved ones. I'm talking to people that have had regrets over yesterday. Please don't live there. Please don't live there. Please don't live there. I went, I went to a precious lady in the first church I ever pastored and I've told this story here before, but I've got to tell it again because it's important that I tell it right now. She would never move when the Spirit moved in the church. She would never move. She was as a stone statue in church. And I went back to her and I said, Sister, what seems to be the problem? She said, my past. I said, what is about your past? She said, my father. My father molested me. I said, well, I'm sorry. And I started crying because it broke my heart. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, can I go find him and bring him here and ask him to repent and Get it all under the blood. She said, no, he's been dead for five years. And I said, you mean to tell me that a man that's in the grave is still holding you captive over something that God wants for you? Can I preach to somebody right now? Can I tell you right now that there is a God that's greater than your yesterday? There is a God that's greater than your past. There's a God that's greater than the graveyard. You hear me? There's a God that's greater than anything that would ever try to hinder you. He is not just a God of your yesterday. He's a God of your present, and he's a God of your tomorrow. And he has washed your yesterday. He's given you this precious present right now. Don't be encumbered and hindered by your yesterday and not allow yourself to go forward in God Almighty. I know the memories sometimes are hurtful and harmful, but God's bigger than that. The first son that Joseph ever had in Egypt was named Manasseh. Manasseh means he's caused me to forget the pain of my past. You'll never forget your yesterdays. Your yesterdays will always be there, but God can take the pain of your past away. He can take the sting out of your yesterday. He can take the hurt out of your yesterday and give you a right now. I'm preaching right now to somebody. Somebody needs to raise your hand and say yes to God. You've said no to God because you don't think that God loves you. You don't think that God will give you possibilities in your life. He will. He wants to because he's God and he loves you. Right now, right where you are. Yeah. He, 
fourth stick you've got to remove from the tiger cage is you've got to build a powerful self-confidence. You've got to be self-confident. If you assume that you're inferior, you'll suffer disastrous failure. If you assume problems will block and defeat you, that if you will try that that if you try, you'll only get hurt again. You have already fashioned another oppressive concept in your mind. I can't do it. It won't work for me. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Let me give you some God-filled affirmations. If God be for me. Hmm. Who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things are possible to me if I will believe. And here's some things that help me. Be confident in this one thing. That God who has begun a good work in you. He has been giving you the will, the hope, the dream, the desire. He will complete that work. God's not going to start something and leave you helpless. He's going to complete it in you. For it is God working in you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purposes. Amen. A tourist was walking down a, a pier one day and he watched a fisherman. And that fisherman pulled in a large fish and he measured it and he threw it back. And he caught a second fish smaller than that, smaller than that time he measured it and put it in his bucket. And oddly, all the large fish he caught, he measured in 10 inches or more. He, he discarded and all the smaller ones, 10 inches or less, he kept. Finally, the onlooker said, pardon me, but why do you keep the little ones and throw away the big ones? He said, well, because my frying pan only measures 10 inches across. <laughs> Can I enlarge your frying pan tonight? Can you go from a 10-inch frying pan to a bucket of lard, amen, and let this thing grow in your spirit? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And I close tonight. I close tonight. Dr. Masaru Emoto is a man that I've been studying. And I have never talked about him. He's a scientist in Japan. Born in 1943. He's 70 years old. And he studies unique things. He studies water crystals. Now you've got to get this. He studies water crystals. And he's made some astute observations. You can go online and Google him. He's there. You just got to Google him. M-A-S-A-R-U-E-M-O-T-O. Emoto. And what he does, he takes twice distilled water. Twice distilled water. So there's nothing, there's no Rocky Mountain, there's no stream, there's no amoeba in it. It's just pure, it's as pure water as you can get. Twice distilled. And he puts one milliliter of water on a Petri dish. And he does it 50 times. Then he puts those Petri dishes in a freezer that's minus 25 degrees. And in a little while, it's frozen solid. Then they bring it out into a five-degree temperature room. Minus five-degree temperature room. And so all the scientists you'll see when you pull him up, all the scientists are all covered up and they're clothed and they're covered up. And when they turn that light of that microscope on, because water makes, has designs. And a lot of us don't realize that, but water is very beautiful when you look at it through a microscope. They make beautiful hexagons, beautiful crystals. However, Dr. Emoto in experiments played music, showed pictures, spoke words, said prayers over the water. And the results were unbelievable. Prayers made beautiful crystals. Ugly words made ugly crystals. Awesome songs made pretty. Heavy metal songs made ugly. Let me show you. Let me show you. I got some pictures here. Putting my pictures up here. Putting my pictures up here. Right here. That's a water crystal here on the left side. That's heavy metal music. That's Idlewise. That's a beautiful song. Look at that crystal. That's water, folks. That's water. See the difference? I want to show you the difference. Put, put my next slide up there. There's Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley. There's Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I'm not just up here throwing words at you. I'm telling you how you talk to yourself 
how the yeses come in your life, how the beauty of the Lord shines in your soul matters. Put me some words up here. Let me see. Here, here, look here. Here's before prayer. Here's after prayer. Is there a difference? Look at that. Look at that. Give me another one here. Throw another one up here. Here's somebody saying, you fool. Here's somebody saying, I love you with gratitude. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying it's so important because we are 70% water. And I'm tired of trying to pick people up on Wednesdays and Sundays that go out and assassinate their own character and say, I can't. When God says you can and says I'm a fool, when God says you're a perfect person in my sight, I see you through the blood, when we walk out and we listen to heavy metal and our water gets all shook up and we say, what's wrong with me? We ought to turn on amazing grace and get something beautiful going on on the inside. I'm just showing you what happens. This is a man that does not even know my God. And yet he has proven that it's how you speak to yourself. Oh, somebody help me right now. How you speak to yourself, how you conduct yourself, how you say yes to the things of God. Create those beautiful love and gratitude crystals that Almighty God produces inside of us. Emoto has blown my mind. He's blown my mind because, you know, you can't just walk into your house screaming like a banshee. You can't do that. You'll have Heartbreak Hotel. Go back to Heartbreak Hotel. Go back to it. There it is. That's what you'll have. But you walk in singing Amazing Grace. Now, let me close. Randy, help me. Let me close. One of our missionaries, a little Pentecostal missionary, her husband was in Columbia back in the days when the drugs were massive and mighty and there was a there was a uh, a word out that any missionary that came to this Colombian city would be killed immediately. They would be killed because they didn't want missionaries. They didn't want anybody trying to get people to do right. They knew that missionaries would create a right atmosphere and people would start turning to be better people. And so the missionaries trying to find a place to sleep could not find a hotel could not find a place of residence. Nobody would take them in for fear that if they took them in, it was like almost hiding Jewish people in World War II. The whole family would die. So the little missionary couple in a little, little missionary car, a little Volkswagen, with everything they had, slept outside of town the first night. And in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, they heard a voice approaching. They couldn't tell what the voice was saying, but they knew that the person was probably coming to their car and there would be judgment. And they felt real bad about it. And they clung to one another and they prayed and their name was Thompson. They prayed and they tried their best to believe and all of a sudden the wife heard she heard amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once and as the voice got closer she recognized this person wasn't coming to kill us this person was coming to give us a residence and the missionary wife jumped out of the car and went and hugged a person she had never seen before. All because the water was right in her spirit when she heard Amazing Grace. And they found a lodging. They built a great church. They got a lot of drug kingpins saved. Some of them still pastor down in Columbia today. It's amazing what you face. And how you face it when you know you've got the God factor in your life. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. 
Come on, folks. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever, forever, forever. woo My water crystals are really shaping up good right now. I feel the presence of the Lord in me. I can do all things through Christ. This year's not going to be another heartbreak hotel. It's not going to be another year of heavy metal. I'm not going to go down with the count this year. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to say yes to the Lord. I'm going to walk in His favor. I'm going to walk in His grace. I'm going to walk in His mercies. I'm going to walk in His glory. Because I can. I can. I can. I can. I can. Everybody say, I want to become the person that I need to be. Stand to your feet, you're awesome people, and I love you. And when I say awesome people, I mean that. You're awesome people. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.